Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Hello, friends. Happy International Women's Day, Kat. Thank you. We uh, have this day for a number of reasons. Number one, to celebrate the accomplishments and achievements of women. Also, we have this day to talk about the work that still needs to be done. And there's a lot that needs to be done from pay equity to period poverty to uh, equality in the workplace Mm -hmm. to the list goes on and on and on. But I do think some progress has been made. I think we're slowly getting there, but God damn, is it ever a slow process for something that should be a no-brainer? Well, when you look at the fact that it's 2023 and we're still dealing with so many of those issues, sure, most definitely. Uh, and and gentlemen listening, and if, if you're wondering, this is not a day for me, I'll stay out of it. No, that's like the opposite. That's what the opposite of what we need. Um, and I was actually honestly like astounded and and pr- like thankful for a lot of DMs that I received today. Like, as we record this, it's still morning, and, and I've gotten several, like, DMs and messages from people wishing me happy International Women's Day and, and more than that and just saying a, a little blurb. So thank you. And I think that every woman in our life needs to hear that. And I'm talking to the women too, right? Where are we at with the period poverty thing? Because I've certainly heard a lot of people talk about we should make menstrual products available everywhere for free. And to me, when I think about all that money that we flat out wasted on, like, COVID shots and shit like that, Mm -hmm. this should be a no-brainer to just make sure that there's extra tampons and pads available for someone when they need them. Yeah, and it shouldn't be left on cities and municipalities to figure out, because some have, by the way. We, When we were talking about this earlier, um, we took note of a couple different cities, and that's great. And I like hearing that. You know, City of Kitchener is one of them. All their facilities are free. But across the board, provincially, federal, federally, I mean, this should be a Canada-wide thing. This shouldn't just be province by province, in my opinion. Yeah, we should absolutely have something done. It's it's an extra cost I think people don't realize needs to be taken into consideration. Like people don't realize, I think if men don't shop for it, they don't understand how much it actually costs and how the cost does add up, sure. right? So it's uh, it's something that definitely needs to be looked at. And yes, the government, this is 100% on the government to do that. I just don't know why it's not done yet. I mean, uh, we shouldn't have to do tampon drives and shit like that. Oh, like my we shouldn't God. have to do it. No, you're absolutely right. We shouldn't. And hopefully that wrong gets righted soon. And it's part of the reason that we still have International Women's Day is a day to bring to light issues just like this. So we're going to talk about a lot today on After 9. And I want to start off with what's going to happen this evening. It's going to be televised, nearest I can tell. I believe the Global News Channel and the CTV News Channel and the CBC News Channel are all planning to carry it. There's going to be a House of Commons Agriculture Committee meeting. And maybe you're wondering, what the fuck would I watch an agriculture meeting from the House of Commons? That's probably going to be boring (laughs) like you wouldn't believe. It doesn't sound thrilling. No, but (laughs) this one is a good one. Yeah. It's Galen Weston and all the other grocery CEOs being called on the carpet to talk about something that affects every single one of us every day. 
grocery prices. The cost of food is almost unattainable for a lot of Canadians that are really struggling right now. Why is the overall inflation rate at 5.9% but food inflation at 11.4%? What's really behind this? That is one of the questions that we want answered. Holy moly. And, And we've been saying this for a while now and we're looking for a breakdown. Like that's all we need to know because you talking out of your ass is one thing, Galen. And I know there's more than just Galen, but we like to pick on him. I think if you listen to this podcast, you know. But it's one thing to say, like, oh, it's up everywhere, everything, everybody. And then we, no, no, we don't make anything. We make, four, what did they claim at $1.4 for every $100 is what they make? Something like that. Something silly. It's some bullshit uh, number. Some bullshit number. Give, give me a breakdown. Like, I want to hear it. So I'm not sure if that's what we're going to get today or if it's just going to be, if there's any evidence. I, I, I don't know. But I would like to hear a little bit more. Instead of just the bullshit. Well, I want some transparency, too. And I get that these are, in a lot, in some cases, private companies. Others have shareholders that they need to be accountable for. Maybe that's part of the problem. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But I, I want to hear about the breakdown because we are seeing record profits from Empire and from Loblaw and from Metro. Record profits. Never made money like this before. And they say... Oh, well, guys, come on. It's not because of groceries, even though that's our primary business. It's because of all the other stuff, like cosmetics and, and prescriptions for those that have pharmacies and all that sort of shit. That's what they say. But they won't actually show us the breakdown. They won't actually say, here's how much money we made from produce. Here's how much money we made from meat. Here's how much we made from the pharmacy mm-hmm. and from condom sales and from selling our pre-made baked goods and shit like that. They won't show us the breakdown. And frankly, if they're not going to show us the breakdown, I don't know why we should believe them. I'm at a place in 2023 where I need receipts. I don't want to hear just a blind claim and go along with it. We get enough of that shit from our politicians. Oh, just trust us. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. No, I want to actually see it. And Galen, if everything truly is on the up and up, if your costs have gone up that much and all you're doing is transferring that cost to consumers and, and the same profit you were making, you're still making, and the same price we're paying, we're still paying, except for that little gap in difference. Okay, I can live with that. But it doesn't seem that way. But I also think, though, that we should probably drag some farmers in here, too, because I'd like to hear it from them. Why are our prices so out of control? Why does it cost more to buy a tomato that was grown down the street than it does to buy a pineapple that was flown in from Costa Rica? It doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's shocking. And if it really is something you don't want to say, we need to hear it. Maybe you're uh, uh, totally in favor of of the carbon tax. If the carbon tax is the reason that we're paying more, then tell us that. If the reason that we're paying more is because the price of diesel is through the roof, then tell us that. We need to know that information so that we can make adjustments accordingly. And frankly, I hope that the decision makers are listening. I hope the prime minister is paying attention. And if Galen Weston comes out and says, no, we're not making excess profits on food. In fact, we're only 
passing on the additional cost that we pay to the consumers and no extra. There's no extra profit in there. And the reason the costs on our end have gone up is because farmers are paying a carbon tax, because farmers are paying so much more for diesel, because the cost of shipping that stuff within Canada has just gone crazy. We need to know that. And I hope the prime minister will hear that and say, yeah, shit, I I wanted to raise the carbon tax on April 1st, but this isn't the right time because Canadians can't afford it. I hope he hears it and makes a change. Now, there's no indication that he will, and we don't know for sure that it's carbon tax and diesel prices, but I can't see how that doesn't factor into it. It has to factor into it. April the 1st, the carbon tax goes up. April the 1st, the beer tax goes up. And they keep taking money out of our pockets, Cat. At some point, we're all going to be broke. We just won't have any more money to give. And then what happens? Scary shit. Mm -hmm. I really, really hope that we get some answers today. And, you know, I'm not his biggest fan politically, but I do admire that Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, wants to take this on as a cause. I loved his tweet last night. Tomorrow, I'm going to look across the table at Galen Weston, and I'm going to demand answers. Good. Go, Jagmeet, go. Mm -hmm. I want answers, too. We deserve to know. Well, we'll see what happens, and we'll have an update for you here tomorrow. Still waiting for the interest rate announcement to come down. I think everybody's expecting interest rates to remain unchanged. They couldn't possibly raise those again, could they? That would be, what, nine in a row? Everyone who guesses these things and guesses them right are saying it's not going to happen. So we'll see. Soon as that comes down, as we record, I will endeavor to get that for you. There's a couple of other things going on, Kat. Uh, Peel Regional Police say they're investigating after a number of high schools in Mississauga and Brampton were threatened with shootings online. Now, the reason I mention this is because anecdotally, I hear about shit at schools all the time. There are regularly police appearances at schools to investigate threats of various kinds. And most of the time, they don't even make the news. Yeah. Are, are they reported to the actual school, at least, or the parents uh, of the kids? Uh, it depends situation by situation. If police found that there was a credible threat and they disrupted it, okay, well, that's news. But most of the time, it's not a credible threat. And I guess it's up to the school or maybe the board maybe the cops. I don't know whose responsibility it is to tell parents, but either way, there's cops at schools fairly regularly. Most of the time we don't hear about them. This time we're hearing about it though. Apparently the person who made the threats threatened these six schools that are all in Peel intending to shoot them up this Friday. Police say they're taking these threats seriously. They're working with the Dufferin Peel Catholic District School Board and the Peel District School Board on safety plans and strategies. Hypothetical. I know your kids are younger, Mm -hmm. but you do have kids in school. If you heard a threat like this and you read or heard in this podcast that police are taking it seriously and working on safety plans, would you send your kids to school? Yeah. Because I think a lot of parents are wondering that. Yeah. And a lot of parents are probably making that decision now. I if they're old enough. uh, I would probably I would have that frank conversation with them. uh, And let's say it was high school age. Uh, then I would say, you know, we'd have that conversation. There's threats. They're actually looking into them. Could something come of it or not? At least they know. At least they have a heads up. But um, it could be nothing. How do you feel? Do you feel scared? I would honestly rely a lot on their thoughts. And if they feel scared at all, you're darn right I would allow them to stay home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, this is the way I look at it. Chances are, especially with history and hindsight, This is probably not a credible threat. This is probably some shithead that has a bone to pick with someone at the school or wants to get out of a test or an extended spring break or something. But 
do you really want to roll the dice that this one is serious? And if it is serious, would they warn in advance or would they just go and shoot? I don't, I don't know. And I hate the thought of even having to talk about shootings yeah. in schools here in southern Ontario. But frankly, when police say they're taking it seriously and working on safety plans and strategies, I do take that seriously. Yeah. I kind of have to err on the side of caution here. I'm glad they are. I mean, that's what you want to hear, by the way. Of that news coming in, it's a good thing that they're taking it seriously. I hope they take all everything seriously. But this specifically, if there's something to it, and maybe there's more than what they're saying right now, that's okay to at least know that they're, they're on it. That's important. While we're talking about hot topics, an Ontario judge has certified a class action lawsuit against Canadian prison officials over strip-searching federal inmates. Now, the law here says strip searches should be limited to when an inmate is thought to have drugs or contraband. The lawsuit alleges they happen far more frequently than that. The government's defense here, I guess they're not even denying it, they argue that routine strip searches are an essential component of prison security strategies. We're already hearing about it all the time. The amount of shitheads that are getting out on bail, that are committing crimes with guns, and then they get released the same mm-hmm. day. Catch and release is basically what to call it. And, and I think people are generally frustrated by that. I think our lawmakers are starting to take that seriously because we're starting to wonder, well, why would the rights of some asshole who committed a gun crime be more important than public safety? I have to wonder the same thing about the jails. Nobody likes to get strip searched, but if routine strip searches are part of this strategy to keep everyone in the jail safe, why wouldn't we keep doing strip searches? Imagine we could get sued because some asshole who's been convicted of a crime got strip searched for good reason, probably, because there was a reason to believe they were smuggling something. I know, and it's for a lot of people to think about. It's, it's, there's a lot of gray area because we're not certain. But if you work in the pr- prison system, you would have the best shot. And now I have a relative that worked in the prison system for years, including Kingston Penitentiary. Oh, that I bet so, he's got some so great stories. He does. Um, and I'm not sure what he's allowed to say or not allowed to say. He is a podcast listener as well. But I always, I always find it fascinating what he has to say about it. Because from an outside point of view, when you have no idea what you're talking about when it comes to prison, which you and I both don't. Nope. Thankfully, by Never the way, been there. good thing, Never been there. by the way, it's a good thing, right? Uh, it's hard for me to comment on it. And sometimes I want to say st- stuff on it, but then he'll turn around and give me a completely different perspective on it and things that you wouldn't be aware of again, unless either, you know, the prison system well for one reason or, no- or another, mainly for those who work in it, but also for people who have loved ones in it. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different ways you can be involved in it. So I always like don't like to make comments on it just because I'm not sure what the proper way to do what the proper way to do is. You know what I mean? I think we need to defer to the experts. If the prison guards who are charged with making the prison safe and making sure that the purpose of them is being served, i.e. keeping people in there while they reform or repent or whatever the fuck they're doing in there. Uh, They're in there for a reason, by the way, because a judge and or a jury has said you need to be incarcerated. I really don't have a problem trusting their judgment here. I I don't know why judges and lawyers would second guess them. I don't see this as a human rights complaint. If you're in prison, I think you need to expect certain things. The food's going to be shitty. And if you're even remotely on their radar, you should expect that maybe randomly you might get strip searched Mm -hmm. just to confirm that everything is on the up and up. I don't know. And then I'm again, I go back to I know I don't work in the system and I know I don't know everything about everyone that's in it, but 
don't fucking be in prison. You know, you did something wrong. So why should we be treating you extra special and be like, well, we should be sensitive to your needs. That's where I stand. Like, I find it really hard to do that when it, like you said, as long as there's a cause, a reason for it. Sorry, you put yourself, I don't even want to say sorry. You put yourself in that position of being in prison. One of my better friends is uh, higher up in one of the prisons. And we've talked about all the different ways that people try and smuggle shit into jail. And in some cases, it's uh, uh, in the mail. Mm-hmm. In some cases, they've got lawyers or or paralegals that are smuggling it in. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of different ways that it happens. But if somebody gets brought into prison and they need to be strip searched, I have no problem with that if it's in the name of safety. I don't think they're running around looking for ways to see naked people. I don't think they want to stick their hand in the butt crack of anyone as part of their routine day. So I have to think that if they're doing it, they probably don't want to do it either, but it needs to be done. And as long as it's safe, everybody should feel safe wherever they are. And if jail happens to be your home, you should be able to feel safe. And if strip searches help ensure that, go ahead and keep doing it. I'm curious to see where this lawsuit goes, but... History has taught us recently that sometimes these things tend to not go the way of popular public opinion. Yesterday, the federal defense minister was testifying before the House Defense Committee, and she said there's no indication that the flying objects that were downed over Yukon and Lake Huron last month were operated by a foreign country. Anita Anand made the remarks during an appearance with senior military officials at the Defense Committee. She wouldn't speculate on the origins or purpose of the two objects and claims they have not been recovered. Anita, hmm. come on. What do you think? We're fucking dumb? Come on. Don't lie. Actually, I shouldn't even say you're lying. Maybe, just maybe, they haven't found this. I just don't understand how that's possible. Can we get a technical briefing on this? How in Canada could you not have found it? Lake Huron even. How could you have not found it? We've got an entire Navy. And it's not, it's not an ocean. It's a great lake, but it's not an ocean. You know where you shot it. You should be able to find this shit. I don't know how you can say it wasn't operated by a foreign country when you can't even find it to figure out what it is. We don't want to speculate on the origins or purpose. Well, people are going to speculate if you don't tell them what you already know. I just don't believe that we haven't found it. I think we absolutely have, and they're just not telling us. And if they're not going to tell us because it's a national security secret or something, okay, maybe I could even live with that. But don't tell us you can't find it. Of course you can find it. You know exactly where it is. You know where you shot it. It's, it's crazy to me. Are you ready for a big reno, cat? The Ontario government is proposing to create a new ministry that will oversee the planned renovations of Queen's Park. It's been estimated that a project of this scale is going to take eight to ten years to finish. The bill will provide for a temporary relocation of the legislature to another building while renovations are underway. Hmm. I, uh, I get that Queen's Park needs to be updated. It's old. It's dingy. uses a lot of old technology. It's not very green. They probably need to redo the windows and the HVAC system and all that sort of shit that you might have to do on your own home if you owned a century home. But I can't, they could tear it down and build a new one in less than eight years. They could get that done in like two or three years. And they're going to have to relocate the whole nine yards. This, uh, can we vote on this? I don't know that we really need to do that. And if we are going to relocate it, where do you want it to go? Would you be in favor of Queens Park moving to Barrie? Queens Park moving to Niagara Falls? 
Ottawa? Oh, I know London? some people who would like that. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I don't know how you do. There's not a ton of empty buildings out there that can house 300 plus people plus staff and have a gigantic meeting room where people stand up and yell Maybe at each other. Maybe we go back to Zoom. That's a good idea. That would save money because you got to know they're either going to buy something or lease something at an insane rate for eight to 10 years. We're going to pay a fortune while they're renoing and redoing the carpets at Queen's yeah. Park. And then just have like conference centers where you do meet out when you need to meet physically face to face, however often that might be. I don't know if that's every six months or three months. I don't freaking know. But, you know, you figure that out. No, I don't know. I mean, the- I don't know because I don't not in it. But <laughs> just the thought, just the thought. Would you be in favor of this? How about we take Queen's Park? rip it down, and take that prime real estate right in the heart of Toronto and build housing, maybe even affordable housing, and relocate the politicians to somewhere where the protests won't interfere with traffic and where the nonstop influx of people here and there and cops here and there, they could go somewhere else and bother them. Maybe getting it out of Toronto isn't the worst idea. Mm. All right. I, th- I still think they should tear it down. The amount of money. They're going to spend a billion dollars to renovate Queen's Park, and it's going to take 10 years. How much is it going to cost to do something fresh? You do wonder. I mean, I'm sure I hope they're smart enough to have figured out that they should run the numbers on that. One would think. Do you think they did? Because I'm I don't not. Know. They're kind of dumb. I don't know. Like, most of these people are not smart people. I don't know. If If... If that's the plan, we've got Queen's Park here and it's this old building and it's going to be a disaster to renovate, then why don't you just fucking you rip it why? down and build a new one? It's the historical freaking value of the place and people's minds and they, they're never going to do that. Okay, listen. Because it's historic. I love history nah. too, but frankly, in 2023, I'm thinking about money and we're all broke, yeah. the government included. Tear the fucking thing down, build a brand new one that's green and state of the art and it's got everything you need in it. Modern infrastructure for internet technologies, TV studios, every anything you want. It, it baffles me. The, the historic part of, of any anything, any Anytime there's this argument about don't tear it down, it's a piece of history. Usually it's a piece of garbage. By the way, this will be a part of its history. Like, don't you think that 100 years from now, people will look back and be like, remember 2023? They knocked down the... That will be a part of history, okay? If it's a piece of junk, if it's a hunk of shit, let's knock it down and let's start a new one. The the people on these historical committees, I'm going to just say it, they're usually... A bunch of fucking Karens with p- torches and flames and shit. Every city has them. I can't stand them. They're like a union, but worse. I can't stand those people. I just can't move forward, especially when it makes sense financially. Now, again, I don't know details of this one and by the numbers. I don't know. But it baffles me that people will like stand outside an old shitty hotel that ha- hasn't run for 14 years and nobody wants to buy it and nobody wants to do anything to it you can't tear it down we had that in my hometown of cambridge this shitty what is it called you'll remember springs hotel there oh i do it was an old hotel and they tried a million times to revive it holy fuck guys when i tell you that this place has been vacant for decades and people like scott mentioned people tried to to they did purchase it in fact and then they started renovating then they realized whoa this is costing way too much money and then another company did and they thought we'll do this wait there's no room for parking there's literally no purpose to this building but people would stand outside and be like don't tear it down and the committee got all mad i fucking can't stand those people this is a hunk of junk nobody wants to 
look at it anymore. Remember it fondly in pictures. Tear the shit down. Put something else there or nothing at all. Get over it. I don't understand why people hang on to these things. And they're buildings. They don't have a... I know to some people they might seem like they have a heartbeat in your mind. Capture that in pictures. Go take a last walk through places. But tear the shit down. Move on. I don't understand people. I don't get it. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Thank you for coming to my rant. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After reportedly playing with Ouija boards at their school in Colombia, nearly 30 schoolgirls were hospitalized due to severe anxiety attacks. The Galeris Educational Institution, where the incident took place, reported 28 possible cases of anxiety in students. The girls showed signs of fainting, anxiety, and other symptoms at school, causing alarm bells to go off. They were then admitted to hospital, accompanied by parents and school staff. They have not released a specific diagnosis yet, but many parents blame the school use of Ouija boards. Mm-hmm. I've never used a Ouija board. You've never used a Ouija board before. No, no. Like, is that typically like a girly sleepover thing to do? I've used a Ouija board so many times. Now it's been years, but I've done it so many times. What happens though? Like, is it a weird feeling that comes over you? When I hear that 28 girls had so much anxiety, they briefly hospitalized them. I have to think this is pretty <laughs> fucked up. I never, I mean, I never experienced that. So I can't speak to like what they were doing or how often they were doing it. For uh, for us, I don't know, growing up, it was like one of those things, sleepover or just hanging out at friends' houses. You whipped out the Ouija board and you'd sit around in a circle. And for those who don't know how, to, how a Ouija board works, the board is just a simple board, picture any kind of playing board, a Monopoly board, whatever, like that. And there's letters, there's numbers, there's symbols. You're also given, if I'm not mistaken, a triangle-shaped object with a magnifying glass in the middle. And the object is to put that right in the middle. It'll show you on the board where to put it. And just slightly with two or even one finger each, you put your hands on this Ouija board triangle that kind of can move around the board. Right, yeah. And then you proceed to ask a question. So usually you'll start with, and you're trying to summon the dead. Okay. That's basically the point. So both my grandparents are gone. If I wanted to yeah. talk to, to my grand, do yeah. I say, grand, what's up? Yeah. If you're, well, you could say, if you're, if you're present, give me a sign and then you should, f- whatever, if you believe it or not, but you'll feel the pull on the board bringing you to a letter, a number, a yes or a no is also on the board. So it's crystal clear. Yes or no. Uh, and then there's some people who really do believe it, who really do believe that they've had received answers from loved ones or anyone else, murder victims. I mean, you name it um, and have been able to reach them through this board. 
Do you believe it? Uh, I think I'll stop short of believing specifically the Ouija board. Is a lightning bolt going to come down and strike me? I think specifically in the this we- studio, the Ouija- it would be electrical <laughs> arcing. <laughs> yeah, the Ouija board. I'm going to answer that with a no. Not not necessarily through the Ouija board. Do I believe in something? Yeah, Ouija board specific. No, and we would always, by the way, always call bullshit on friends playing this game because if one person was controlling it or two or three, whatever, you're bu- you're pulling in your direction. No, you're moving it. I felt you move it. No, I didn't. Like it was always like an argument. Like I didn't. It just said yes. Oh my gosh, you know. So one friend might be bullshitting the whole group. I would love to know a little bit more about this particular group of women, though. Young 28 ladies, twenty-eight of them. Twenty-eight of them. Mm-hmm. Anxiety. Severe anxiety. And sorry, how say. often did they did they? I'll use the term play. I don't know if that's the right thing. How often did they use the Ouija board? I guess. Uh, good question. This was just a uh, one of the times that they were using it. I don't know how many times they did total, but apparently these were at the school and available. Like the school didn't discourage it. I feel uh, like here we're <laughs> not a, was not a Catholic school. <laughs> I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's creepy to think about. Ew. You wouldn't do it. Um. It's kind of like Pandora's box, right? Once you open that box, you can't really close it again. And I think once my mind goes down that path, it'll always be down that path. So I'd really rather just leave well enough alone and assume that if somebody wants to contact me, they've got my number. I don't need to call out a specific (laughs) board. Dead people can't use cell phones. (laughs) Well, okay, how about this? Do you believe when you play the lottery... You should play the same numbers every draw uh, or quick pick random numbers. Mm-hmm. What do you think mm-hmm. is the the right way to go? Okay, personally, quick pick random numbers. Really? Reasons. Why? Uh, if I miss out on a week of playing that lottery, any lottery with those numbers, and those numbers come up, I will kick myself so hard. I will, it will be a terrible feeling mm-hmm. for me. It's more like if it's a quick pick, I really ha- feel like I don't have a ton of control. I just control purchasing the ticket or not purchasing the ticket. And I can't blame myself. Should those numbers pop up? That's why. Okay. Using a set of recycled quick pick numbers from a Powerball ticket that he bought a decade ago. A guy from Maryland just won $50,000. Ooh, decent. The numbers were chosen from a ticket that he bought a decade ago. He's been replaying the same numbers every draw for a decade, and it finally paid off. He's in well over two grand invested into playing this lottery. Wow. So he's up eight grand, which is cool. I just can't imagine the feeling, like you said, if you have a specific set of numbers that you play and you don't play and those numbers come up, you'll never forgive yourself. By the same token, though, playing the same numbers, I feel like, makes sense. If you're constantly generating random numbers and the draw is random as well, the odds are far less as if you're always using the same numbers. Eventually, one of them, I think one of them has to be consistent for the other one to give you a better shot. Hmm. You know what I mean? I hear I, I hear you. I just like for me, I again, I couldn't live with myself if I skipped one. And we know there's autoplay and you could do that and that's great. But what if it happened on like, let's say, for example, I was doing that with Lottomax, 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 and my numbers came up on 649. Oh, shit. Mm, that would piss me off. It would probably be the same feeling as, hear me out here, an office pool. Could you imagine the whole office was in on it? Yeah, guys, big Lottomax, 50 million. You in, Scott? Ah, I didn't get my money in on time or nah, I'm, I'm good. We all won the lottery. You had the chance to win it too. 
you didn't. It'd be the same feeling, right? Yeah. Like, what the hell did I just do? You're right. I just like to avoid those things. So anytime someone approaches me to join a pool for a random week, I'm in because I'm not going to be that person that's like off to the side that they interview. Like, so we heard that you're a big loser and you didn't participate and you could have. How do you feel? <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> exactly. how, about, how about I feel like, shut up. A Japanese company called Airwinds has now released the first official model of the world's first flying bike, the X Turismo. Oh. 12 feet long. It weighs six, <laughs> 661 pounds. It draws power from two large central rotors, essentially helicopter blades, fueled by a 228 horsepower gas-powered Kawasaki motor. An additional electrical battery powers four fans that are located on the outer edges to provide stability during the ride. They say the flying bike can reach speeds of between 50 and 62 miles per hour. $555,000. They say it was inspired by the Star Wars universe and named after a finalist in the 2023 Edison Awards. They say the bikes are currently only available in Japan. They are limited to test rides on a closed racetrack. Airwinds is exploring potential applications for the vehicle, including assisting with rescue operations, disaster relief, and infrastructure inspections. According to the official description, the X Turismo was created to pioneer the next generation of transportation mm. and expand ideas about transportation. Okay, so when you So s- we're here now. There's no more saying someday we'll have flying cars and we'll have to figure it out. Now we have a flying bike and it looks cool as shit. Okay, pop culture wise too. It's funny the two movies that popped into my head were was not even Star Wars, which you mentioned was inspired it was inspired by. I didn't think about that. I don't know what they're called. Do you know oh, you're not a Star Wars person, right? If Dave Lazard was with us right now, he'd know. He'd but know. that would be the ones that uh, Luke Skywalker zipping through the forest on, I assume, with the Similar. Wookiees. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if there's a name for that bike. My other two thoughts immediately, as I said, Wicked Witch of the West on her bike, flying through the air, oh. and E.T. E. So that's the, those were the two ones that I thought of, but who knew that it was uh, Star Wars? Anyway, that's cool. I think this looks so picture a bike like you would sit on Uh basically sitting on a hovercraft. Okay. That's kind of the vibe it gives off. It's really neat. And the fact that I don't know how much gas it uses or if this is something that really needs to be refined before it can come to the market. But it's an interesting possibility that you could just fly. Think of how much faster you could get anywhere if you could travel as the crow flies as opposed to the way the roads mm-hmm. go. And how high, do, I know you mentioned this, I believe, how high can it go? Oh, good question. Like, I, are I, we flying as high as like bird level, a little lower? I feel like we shouldn't be too high, but I also don't want to run the risk of hitting a building. <laughs> or hitting a plane. Or hitting a, pl- well, you don't want to go that high. You well, can't go that high. There's a lot of traffic in the air. And yeah. while the commercial airliners, they tend to be quite high in the air. They're usually between 20 and 36,000 feet. We have a lot of smaller aircraft that fly at like two, three, yeah, four thousand feet. We do. We I, do. I have to think that if these bikes ever became a common thing, they'd probably be in and around a thousand feet, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little, even at a thousand feet. Wouldn't a good gust of wind knock you right I, off your I, fucking bike? That's one of the things that I thought safety first because I'm I'm going okay if you if you're on a bike, think about being on a motorcycle. Even that scares the shit out of me. But now I'm in the air. Good gust of wind could be one thing. Multiple people with multiple bikes. I don't trust humans. Someone could like knock into you, T-bone you. And guess what? You fall off that bike, you're dead. Done. Like there's no way you're surviving that. Even with a helmet, no, you're probably dead. 
So it doesn't really matter if it's at 1,000 feet or if it's at 40 feet. Because either way, you're fucked. If you fall from 40 feet, you're fucked. You're fucked. Unless it comes with like a parachute and you have to like wear it. Oh, I'm sure if you have to have a life jacket to drive a boat, you would probably need a parachute to fly a bike. But if you get knocked unconscious, you're fucked. You're you're fucked there too, yeah. (laughs) It scares me, but it's cool at the same time. Do you know how many times planes encounter a bird strike? Yeah. Where as they're taking off, birds get sucked into the engine or crash through the windshield and stuff like that. If you're on a bike, that's... Goose is going to win, bitch. Oh, yeah. Goose is going to win. You don't like seagulls now? Wait till they're crashing <laughs> into you 60 miles an hour. No, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna say no thanks for me on this one, but I'm curious to see where it goes. It would probably be similar rules to drones. You can't fly within a certain distance of the airport mm-hmm. and stuff like that because there's planes taking off and landing. I uh, Whoever has to create the regulations has got a tall order in front of them because it's not easy to do. But I do think we need to go down this path because I think that this is probably the future sooner than later. Maybe. No one else just dawned on me too, though, is like, uh, I'm thinking about the person riding it being dead. What if that bike (laughs) that's that heavy fell on your head, you're dead. It could fall over a schoolyard. You know what I mean? Like, there's just too much wrong with this. I just don't trust people enough. And I know you're thinking like, oh, that could happen with a helicopter now. No, 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 no. And there'll be zones and that's fine. I just don't trust humans to be able to figure this out. Anyone with money could buy one. And that's kind of also a scary thing. That I don't know if I like it. Maybe I'm just sounding like, I don't like it. But it kind of has some scary things to it. But again, I am curious to see where it goes. Before we wrap it up, I will tell you that, yep, the numbers are in. The Bank of Canada has left the key interest rate at 4.5%, no increase. However, they reiterated a conditional commitment to staying the course on the current rates. Okay, so it's not changing. It's not going down, sorry, anytime soon. I think it is. You, I you still see rates going down once or twice this year. Okay, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people hope you're right. A lot of people have pointed out that the banks have been calling, encouraging them to lock in, and that would probably be an indicator that they know they've reached their max capacity for how much they're going to make. And if they can lock you in when they're at 4.5%, mm-hmm. knowing full well it's going to go down below 4 probably before the end of the year, yeah, they're going to screw you again. They're not calling and offering you to lock in because they care about you. They're doing it because it's maximum money if they can get you locked in Be now. skeptical always, friends. Never. Stay skeptical. Ever trust the Bank of Canada and, and your own bank? Well, you can make a judgment on them, but I wouldn't either. Have yourselves a great hump day, everybody. And again, happy International Women's Day. We'll be back tomorrow with another new episode of After 9. Bye-bye. The Justice Department uh, filed a lawsuit to block JetBlue's merger with Spirit Airlines. It's actually positive news because lately when we hear about JetBlue merging with another airline, it's on the runway. (laughs) Columbia University last week announced it will no longer require SAT or ACT scores in undergraduate admissions, while UMass announced that you no longer need that show-and-tell project. (laughs) Amid a nationwide bird flu outbreak, the Biden administration is considering mass poultry vaccination. (laughs) It would be weird when KFC says their chickens are all vaxxed and waxed. (laughs) 